Hypocrisy's the best policy. Wish for change, but lazily. Century of debilitation. Your evolution is a damnation. You know what that music means. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Trav, aka Five Minute Major, and welcome to a special edition of HV Pucks. I'm proud to say this is the only independent outlet dedicated to covering the sport of hockey in our region. You do not need a newspaper or cable TV subscription to access my content. It is 100% free and available on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on the Grandstand Sports Network. One of the things I enjoy the most about hosting this podcast is when I get to sit down with players, coaches, parents, and fans to talk pucks. Today's guests include Joe Wedge, head coach of the New York Rangers sled hockey team, and Larry Manet, manager of the New York Rangers sled hockey team. Enjoy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and I'm pleased to be joined by Joe Wedge. Joe is the head coach of the New York Rangers sled hockey team. He's an assistant coach with the Columbia University hockey team, and he was also a detective with the uh, NYPD for 25 years. Uh, Joe, thanks again so much for coming on. How's it going? Great, Trav. Thanks. Glad to be here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Can you share your hockey resume? I know you and I have chatted a lot on social media. Um, can you please share your hockey resume with the listeners, like how long you've been connected to the game? Uh, yeah, sure. I, uh, I started in kid, as a kid and uh, grew up in Rhode Island. I uh, started skating when I was like uh, two or three years old with uh, my dad, who's Canadian. And, uh, you know, Played youth hockey in Rhode Island and played uh, in the Catholic High School League for Bishop Hendrick in Rhode Island. And from there, I was recruited and I played uh, D2 at Stonehill College for four years. At, uh, in my junior year at Stonehill, uh, I was recruited uh, in the IHL by the Flint Generals. And after some uh, long kitchen table uh, conversations with my dad, I decided not to uh, take the offer and finish out my uh, education my senior, my senior year playing at Stonehill. Nice, nice. Um, and how did you wind up coming to like the New York area per se, from Rhode Island? Uh, I, I wound up taking the uh, the job in uh, in eighty nine ninety with the NYPD. Okay. Um, and moved here from Rhode Island. Okay. All right. How long have you been? So you have a very storied hockey career that started when you were younger. Um, you know, how long have you been coaching the uh, New York Rangers sled hockey team? Uh, four, I'm into my fourth season now, four years. Okay. Um, who are some of the players to watch? You and I, again, have chatted before about this. Who are some of the players to watch on that team? Uh, one of our team members is Jack Wallace. He uh, just recently was uh, you know, on the sled hockey team that won the gold medal in the uh, you know, chain. Yep. And uh, he's, you know, he's a young kid. He's uh, an up-and-comer, probably... Uh, if not now, but will be one of the best players in the world, I would think, hmm. uh, within the next uh, year or two. Okay. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah. I, I reached out to him. I'm, I'm hoping to connect with him at some point and, and get him on the show if possible. Um, let me ask you, uh, coach, what are some of the challenges that you've encountered um, when coaching a sled hockey team? Uh, you just have to realize that the game itself is the same. The rules are the same. It's the same as hockey, except that sled uh, skills are different since a play is play, uh, you know, actually in a seated position. But it's just uh, learning the, the skill set that they need to know. Okay. And that really doesn't take a, a coach that knows hockey long, but it's just to to teach uh, somebody the, to be proficient at the skills in sled. You really have to be uh, somewhat proficient yourself in, in the knowledge of that. Okay. I know um, you guys participated uh, in the Mayor's Cup over in White Plains earlier this year during the, the high school hockey season. And I think you guys played the Connecticut Wolfpack that night. Um, which leads me to my next question. How many sled hockey teams are there in the tri-state area? We play in the Northeast Sled Hockey League, okay. uh, the, the adult uh, division of it. And uh, we have Philadelphia, uh, Connecticut Wolfpack, uh, NEP, which is a New Hampshire College-based team. Okay. Columbus, Ohio. So there's there's quite a few teams uh, within within our region, right? And, and we'd like no. like there to be more, but uh, unfortunately, there's not. Uh, I know that before we started recording, you also mentioned that at the end of this month you're heading up to uh, Massachusetts to play in a game. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, every year we play a, an event at Amelia Park in Massachusetts, and it's more of a friendly. It's uh, end of the season kind of uh, jamboree style based. Uh, team, uh, team. It's still it's very competitive, but it's uh, more jamboree based than uh, a strict tournament schedule. And it's a nice opportunity, I would imagine, for the players to get together and just to celebrate. You know what is, in my opinion, hockey the greatest sport on the planet. Um, Coach, now that the season has basically come to an end, outside of this this game that you're going to uh, in Massachusetts, are there any memories or moments that stand out to you um, from this past season? Uh, yeah, when we just recently won the uh, the Tier Two championship in the North uh, East Sled Hockey League, uh, you could see the energy. Of the guys was noticeably different uh, playing the last uh, final game. We went five and zero that weekend, and that was just recently, uh, you know, in, in March. Congrats! And we went five and zero for the weekend, uh, which we've never done before, and won the uh, the North East Sled Hockey League uh, Adult Division. Uh, of the uh, tier two, tier two league. Congratulations, Coach, on that uh, on that championship. I think that's outstanding. If we could switch gears, though, I know that your son is at Fairfield, and I know again you're also an assistant at Columbia. So switching gears, if we could, to the ACHA. You know, in your opinion, as a coach, and certainly as a parent, as someone that's been, you know, certainly watching your son and, and helping your son throughout his career, what what are a couple of the differences between playing high school and college hockey? Uh, it's a huge difference. Uh, I mean, we've had players that, uh, you know, have played junior hockey for several years. We've had players that have PG'd out. Uh, a lot of these guys went to, uh, you know, they were basically on NCAA uh, path and uh, decided to, uh, uh, to I guess, forego that path, but uh, ended up, you know, going to a really good uh, educational school that has ACHA uh, hockey. Um I just want to add that the ACHA now, and I know uh, uh, Coach uh, Gaberti told you the same thing, is uh, 
if not as competitive, but just as competitive at the higher levels as any NCAA Division three or Division two team. I would I would absolutely agree with you. You know, before the high school hockey season starts, um, I did my fair share of covering, you know, club hockey teams from around this area. And I got to see, you know, Fordham a couple of times. I got to see Ramapo College. I got to see you guys play. And absolutely, it is. It's a competitive league. And it's absolutely a viable um, option or avenue, if you will, for kids that want to continue to play after high school while getting an education. Uh, and again, I know you know that firsthand because you not only do you coach the game, but your son's also up at Fairfield. Is there any advice that you can share with high school players in terms of making the transition to college hockey? Yeah, sure. You've got to, uh, you know, of course, uh, be dedicated to the sport, uh, get in the gym because, you know, all these ACHA teams have tryouts. They have cuts. You might be on the ice the first couple of, of times as Fairfield and Fordham, you'll have over 100 uh, players trying out for maybe five or six spots on the team. Okay. So come ready, you know, play, uh, maybe play up in the spring, find a good junior program like the Dragons that, that Rich runs to play in, and uh, or at least play up, up a level in the spring, try to get into good tournaments, uh, maybe get some game film, uh, send these, uh, the game film to the coaches, and just just come ready. I mean, it's uh, it's very it's it's a lot faster and much more physical than high school. Much more physical than high school. Okay, I would absolutely agree, and that's excellent advice. Thank you for sharing that. What would you like people to know about Columbia's hockey team? Uh, we have a uh, a vast array of uh, veterans on the team, uh, guys that uh, you know played hockey. You know, a lot of them in the Midwest, in Michigan or in Canada, and uh, then came, you know, went to school in the United States, and then went into the armed services, went to Afghanistan, Iraq, and, uh, you know, served their country. And, you know, we have Marines, Air Force, guys from all different services, and then came back to Columbia, grad school, and were able to obtain waivers from the ACHA to play, uh, you know, ACHA hockey, and obtain waivers and uh, attend grad school at Columbia. That's, that's, that's good stuff to know too, Coach. Who was your favorite hockey player, past or present? Just someone that you really enjoyed watching or you enjoy watching today? Well, today, not necessarily. I mean, watching, but uh, to me, more importantly, is what, what a lot of these guys do for the community and the sport uh, off the ice. Um, I mean, of course, as a kid, Bobby Orr was always the, you know, I was a defenseman, was always my favorite. But uh, now I lean more towards guys like P.K. Subban or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, guys that really uh, uh, are ambassadors for the game. And I think that the, the pro hockey was missing that for a little while until, you know, Gretzky came along and, uh, uh, you know, Mark Messier, you know, great, great ambassador to the support. And then, you know, Adam Graves is the same uh same type of player. I mean, that guy is heavily involved with the kids, and that that's basically what it's all about, is getting the kids to be not only uh, hockey players for life, you know, to be hockey fans for life. Yeah, actually, I, I love the, uh, the mention of P.K. Subban. I know he did a lot of work, you know, $10 million donation when he was in Montreal, and I know he recently started, I saw it on the news, he recently started a program in Nashville where uh, players, uh, you know, were uh, excuse me, youth 
you know, youth from their community uh, pair up with the police and they do ride-alongs and they do different kinds of things to, you know, bridge um, or, or build bridges or increase relations between the police and uh, the communities in Nashville, which I think is great. And Adam Graves, I mean, if you opened the, the dictionary and looked under the definition of class, I mean, you would see his picture. I mean, he does a ton, as you know, for uh, for hockey at all levels here in our area. So those are definitely some good some good selections. I have one more question for you, Joe. I touched on it when we first started chatting. But here's the question. If Joe Wedge wasn't a hockey coach... He'd be a fill-in-the-blank. What what would we be doing? I know you're enjoying your retirement, but if you weren't connected with hockey, what do you think you'd be doing? I'm sure I'd be uh, connected with another youth sport. Uh, my daughter played uh, NCAA college soccer. I'd probably be involved in uh, a youth soccer program somewhere or at least uh, helping out uh, a youth organization uh, somewhere along the line or even mentoring uh, you know college kids, you know, seeing what they want to do you know, maybe as far as hockey or life in general. Okay. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me today. I've been chatting with Joe Wedge. He is the head coach of the New York Rangers sled hockey team. He's also an assistant coach with uh, Columbia University's hockey program. Uh, This is your boy, Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major. You've been listening to HV Pucks. Joe, thanks again, uh, and have a great day. Thanks for coming on. You too, Trav. Thank you very much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and I'm pleased to be joined by Larry Manet. Larry is the manager of the New York Rangers sled hockey team, and he's agreed to spend a little bit of time with us tonight. I really do appreciate it, Larry. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, how's things, how are things going? Great, Travis. I appreciate you having me on. This is uh, really important just to uh, get the word out of the great sport of sled hockey so uh, more disabled athletes can enjoy it just like myself. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to play hockey? Well, I originally came to play hockey when I, I was younger. I started playing hockey um, at around eight or nine. There was a big uh, deck hockey scene out uh, where I was growing up, and I'm going to date myself now, in the 80s. Um, so back then in the 80s, out by me, deck hockey had really started. There wasn't a lot of ice rinks. And then um, a couple of ice rinks started uh, spouting up around us, so started getting into hockey that way, too, at a young age. And then... Um, had a, a bunch of surgeries on my spine um, between the age of uh, 10 and 20 mm-hmm. and uh, stopped playing hockey because I lost use of partially of my legs. And then um, at the age of 20, I lost the use of fully of my legs mm-hmm. through surgery. So um, 
hadn't really played sled hockey up until uh, or played hockey after that. So it was this brief stint when I was younger, and then um, really a, a reawakening as a, as I got uh, older and found the sport of sled hockey for people with disabilities. Uh, I think it's so important that uh, we get the message out there, as you said earlier, um, so that more and more disabled individuals can find out about your sport, your league, the Wheelchair Sports Federation, which we'll get into in a little bit. What do you? It's going to sound like a silly question, Lai, but what do you enjoy the most about playing? Um, I guess for me, it was. It's always the. Uh, I love the competitiveness of, of hockey and the speed of the game. Um, it, you know that that was the part of the game that I always enjoyed. How um, quick you have to make decisions, um, and you know how you could have different levels of play and still create a really great chemistry of a team. You know, you could, and that was always enjoyable for me to to see guys that were pure finesse players out there helping the team, and then there were guys that could just really lay a check on someone that no one wanted to get near right. um you know so it was those it was all those different things that and that that's kind of what i enjoy playing the sport just for those aspects of the sport and you know you know that cold feeling you get in your chest after a while is always something i liked for some reason <laughs> <laughs> um can you tell us how you first became involved with the new york uh, sled ranger t- uh, ranger sled team yeah, so like I said, like at the age of 20, I, I, I was no longer able to use my legs. So for a bunch of years, I between going, between going to school and going to work, I didn't realize that there were sports out there for people with disabilities. And then I, I met a friend of mine. Uh, a friend who became a friend of mine, I should say. I met a gentleman who became a friend of mine, and he turned me on to wheelchair baseball or softball and um, – then kept telling me you played hockey before you got to try sled hockey and um it was he was a great guy tony fitzgerald he's still on the team and um he he was actually a 1998 uh paralympian uh for sled hockey so he got me into the sport and as soon as i put the sled on and uh got on the ice again i just didn't want to get back off of it and that was that was in 2000 10 okay. so it was almost 20 years uh after i was injured wow. um that it that it took me to find the sport which is disappointing <laughs> but <laughs> you know because i loved it i love it so much now but yeah so that's how i got into playing the sport again and that was about um yeah 2010 so eight years ago now Great. I'm glad that you were able to reconnect, um, you know, with the sport that you grew up loving. Um, how long have you been the manager of the team? I've, I've been the manager of the team since 2013. So I started I started playing full time on the team in 2012, and um, in 2013, uh, the gentleman that was running the team, um, who is now uh, the um, the F, he works for the mayor's office. He's the the um, he works for the mayor's the disabled disability um, office of people with exactly. disabilities. Kind there you kind go. Of thing. Thank yeah. you. You're sure. better at this than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he works for them, and you know, um, job and family got in the way of him continuing to run it, and I did not want the the team to go away by any means. So I, I jumped in and said that um, it would be a, a great idea to keep it going. So. That's that's when I got involved in it, and uh, thankfully it's been it's been a, a lot of fun since. 
Uh, what are some? What are the biggest challenges? You know, you manager of the team. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that that go along with running the team? Besides, like the everyday stuff that everybody deals with uh, regarding scheduling and things like that. Um, you know, a big thing for us is uh, securing funding because um, unfortunately, to run a sled hockey team is pretty expensive. Right. We we have a you know we're under a five hundred one c three, a part of the Wheelchair Sports Federation. Um, and the wheelchair sports federation provides us, um, you know, helps us with equipment and things like that, but we have to raise the money to, to get those, those equipment. And, um, because we're always bringing on new players and it, it costs about, um, about 1200 bucks to suit up a player when it comes to the sled and all the equipment. So we have expenses there, which is, um, you know, unfortunately, the, every every hockey player deals with those expenses. Um, we have a you know we have a little bit added on and because um, of the sled. And then um, for us, we we're always challenged with getting ice time and having um, money for ice time because it's expensive. So really, our big fundraising is uh, one of our major major hurdles that we always go get you know get involved with because um, it, it really is what keeps the sport free because it's for the, our athletes. Um, we don't want to ever charge any of our athletes to practice, to play, to, to be involved in the sport. Um, it's, it's expensive to, uh, live with a disability. You, you have all these outside charges, um, you know, for whatever it is, mobility equipment that you may need or redoing a house or things like that. So we try to keep it free for the athlete and make sure that, um, you know, if they want to get on the ice and play, they can. And, uh, so that's our major hurdle is, is getting ice time fundraising and, um, really, um, trying to make it accessible to everyone. I know, um, for the, the mayor's cup this year, um, which they had in white plains at the Homics park ice rink. And the year before that at Rye playland, they had a mayor's cup. I know that those two events certainly went towards, uh, funding the wheelchair sports federation and keeping the team on ice. Um, who can, you know, who can play the sport of sled hockey, Larry, what are the requirements? Um, there actually are no physical requirements you could be an able-bodied person and play the sport of sled hockey there are many many teams that have able-bodied individuals playing the sport and um a lot of times that is because the team in in the inception of sled hockey there wasn't a lot of athletes disabled athletes in certain areas to fill out a team so uh you know an athlete who was disabled would bring his brother or friend in to play on the team just so they could actually have enough men for the lines so ever since then the sport has kind of adopted that tradition of allowing an able-bodied player to play the sport um really one of the biggest um conditions of playing the sport or requirements um would be to have some sort of um upward mobility if you wanted to play at upper mobility if you want to play it at a higher level sure you need to be able to propel yourself with your arms there are if you cannot though there are there are uh there's a setup called a pusher setup where if you're not strong enough or if you only have uh one arm and you still want to play the sport um you can get an able-bodied skater behind you Hmm. to push you and then you can control the puck with your stick because when we play 
um, we use the stick to not only propel ourselves right. on one end, on one end there is spikes. Um, and we have a stick in each hand. If anybody's never seen the sport, we have a stick in each hand. It's almost like we are, um, ski, uh, cross country skiing across sure. the ice. We, that's kind of how we propel ourselves in, um, just to visualize it. So there's picks on one end and on the other end is the blade of the stick where you would use to play the puck. Okay. And, uh, so the pusher would just have the stick and be able to play the puck with the blade. Um, whereas we switch back and forth, um, to propel ourselves and drop to, the stick down to play the puck so anybody can play the sport it's just depending on um level of disability and where you kind of want to go with the sport um right. you know um if you don't have any dexterity in your upper body um if you're unfortunately a quadriplegic you could get on the ice and have someone push you and skate but it, it may be difficult for you to control the puck right. um uh just as a practical matter. And I know you, you kind of touched on this in your last answer. This is a nice segue, like as far as some of the challenges that come with playing the sport. Um, is there anything else that you want to just uh, talk about or highlight as far as some of the differences between stand-up and sled hockey? Um, the, the actual game itself is almost identical okay. to stand-up hockey. Um, all the same penalties, all the same, um, uh, you know, icing, offsides, every, everything like that is the same. The only additional um, rule changes that are there are for uh, a penalty called teeing okay. or T-boning. And uh, T-boning is just like it sounds. If you hit someone with the front of your sled hmm. in, a, in a teeing fashion, you right. can be called for a penalty on that. Um, just because of uh, the danger of it. Right. Um, there are a, little, a couple of different rules for people that are pushed, like I mentioned in the previous, because for, for, um, obviously sled hockey players is not as quick as stand-up players. Right. You know, um, so the, sl- the sled pusher has a little bit of a different rules where he can't e- accelerate past the fastest person on the ice. I see. Um, so... There are rules for the pusher and, and things like that, but really everything else. If you were to come and watch a sled hockey game, you would you wouldn't be lost if you know what hockey is. You'd you'd be able to see all the same rules, all the same penalties apply. So, you know, there's fight, there's fighting, there's you know slashing, there's even tripping. So, um, you know, there's it's it's a really great thing for that reasoning, um, so people can enjoy the sport regardless of uh, if they've never seen it before. Well, my pledge to you, Larry, is, you know, because I certainly want to, you know, bring more people, you know, into the world of sled hockey. I want to, you know, raise awareness. So I definitely want to come and check out some of your games next year. So that's a guarantee. Um, You know, you touched on this in some of your previous answers too. But in your opinion, as manager of the team, what's the biggest misconception that people have about sled hockey? Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about sled hockey is that it's different from hockey. I mean, obviously, there's people with disabilities playing it, but I think the, the biggest misconception is um, that they don't think it's the same. Um, and when they come to the games, they realize, and we hear it from people all the time, that the intensity is the same, that you know everything right down to the hitting is the same. And they, people's misconceptions is kind of, 
thinking that they're going to be coming to um, if they see a, you know if they come to a Northeast Sled Hockey League game, they're going to see highly competitive, highly fat, high hitting, and fast hockey. And um, I think that they they're not expecting that. They're expecting to see when people hear the term a person with a disability, they're not expecting to see someone. Um, that is really going above and beyond in athletics um, most of the time. It's kind of, you know, people automatically go to um, a certain thing in their head. Not everybody, I should say, but a lot of people will bring to a certain thing in their head where they think the guy is just sitting there really not doing much or, you know, has is struggling to do something. And then they come and see the game and uh, um, they see how athletic these uh, men and women are. Um, and uh, I think it kind of surprises them that it, there's this level of athleticism um, behind a sport that they thought only you know a disabled person is playing. Um, talking about the season, you know, I know the season is over now. Um, how many games that were played during the uh, during the sled hockey season, Larry? For the Northeast Sled Hockey League, um, which is where the New York Rangers play in, Northeast Sled Hockey League has a 20-game season. Um, and that's a 16-game regular season with a four-game playoff. Um, and uh, so we, we, we're playing from, literally, we play once a weekend uh, from October to uh, the end of February, and then our our championships are in March. Okay. Um, and uh, those weekends, we play four games on the weekend hmm. um, with every team in the, the league usually comes down to them. Um, so we kind of just play four teams. And uh, at the end of the season, the, the, the best out of the 16 teams, you know, we, we were ranked uh, out of, you know, just like any other uh, league. So then we go into our playoffs at that point and, uh, it's a, a four-game playoff, and uh, it uh, really has been a, a great thing. Um, we went to that system a couple of years ago, and we've uh, enjoyed it. Um, our league has been growing and growing, so uh, you know, adding on teams can be interesting for our the guy that schedules it, who I don't envy. Right. <laughs> um, speaking of that, how many teams are in the uh, the northeast uh, the northeast sled hockey league? How many teams are in that league, Larry? Um, well, there's there's two different leagues in the Northeast Sled Hockey League. Okay. Um, there's an A division and there's a um, B division. Okay. Uh, the, the New York Rangers play in the A division, and in the A division last year there were seven teams. Okay. Uh, they started with eight, but we lost unfortunately um, the New Jersey team. Mm. And uh, so last year we had the Buffalo Sabers. Um, the NEP Wildcats, which is uh, a team out of the U- out of UNH College. Okay. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, the Pittsburgh Mighty Penguins, uh, the Gaylord Wolfpack out of Connecticut, and the Philly Flyers. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, so we have, and and unfortunately, you know, because uh, like I was saying, the costs of uh, running these teams are are high, and um, even going traveling on these weekends, unfortunately for the Rangers, uh, we don't have the money to um, pay for everyone's travel. So we 
the people that do play on the Rangers travel team, anybody can practice and uh, play with the Rangers locally. But if you want to travel with us, we do have to unfortunately ask them to pay for their food or their room, okay. um, which we usually split by the athletes. But sure. so teams drop in and out um, because of these reasons. Uh, you know, they just can't make a season because they, they didn't raise enough funds. So, um, but usually on average, we're around seven teams. Okay. So it's it's a it's a a lot of travel, like as you heard, Buffalo and sure. and uh, Pittsburgh. So there, these teams we're traveling to a lot of different places throughout uh, the season. So um, it can get expensive when you're traveling to Ohio and Buffalo, and uh, you know all the way down to Philly. So it's a uh, the the that's a it's a great thing that the the league is that big, but it can also be a detriment to some of the teams sure do you have a biggest is there a team that you consider to be your biggest rival amongst the teams that you mentioned um in the in your division uh i don't know the it's funny because the the, uh sled hockey while every team you know there's a lot of places people that have rivals with teams usually there's a pretty strong camaraderie between everybody sure um but uh we we've had in the past we had a, a very big rivalry with um, uh, the USA Warrior team that was based out of Bethesda, Maryland. Okay. Um, uh, our teams, for whatever reason, just really got were really chippy when we played each other. Um, and uh, they're not in the league. Uh, they weren't in the league last year. That was their first year out of the league. But they were in the league for about five years. Um, and then I would say our other rival, and I, I say it lightly because. Um, we play them all the time, and we do fundraisings with each other's team. Uh, is the Connecticut Wolfpack? Okay. Um, and rivals. I don't know if I'd call us that, but we we definitely play each other a lot, and we're always gunning for each other. Nice mutual respect. Absolutely, one hundred percent. What and you you I mean this is great, Larry. You've taught you've taught me so much about the sport, about the league. Um, I'm going to encourage all my listeners to, again, support Wheelchair Sports Federation, get out to a sled hockey game, you know, support these athletes. What's one thing you'd like the listeners to know about sled hockey that maybe you haven't mentioned already? Um, I think the, the one thing, I don't know if I have mentioned it, is that um, not a lot of people know about the sport. So um, if you know somebody, even if, you know, if they – if you know somebody that is having trouble playing uh, stand-up hockey because they have a blown-out knee, or if you know someone who's disabled um, and uh, doesn't know about the sport, just just mention it to them. Because the one thing that I would I would tell your listeners about sled hockey is that not enough people know about it. Yeah, and not enough people like myself who it took almost twenty years to find out about it. Um, there's just not a lot of um, talk about it. And I think that if we could spread the word and let people know that there is a, a competitive sport out there, if they love hockey and they have a disability or if they, you know, just lost the ability to play stand up hockey because they, because of a knee injury or, uh, you know, a, le- a leg injury of some sort, or even a spinal injury, they have the ability to play the sport they love and miss. And for people who were born with disabilities, they have the they have the ability to play the sport they love to watch, um, and uh, that's really a big thing for us. Is that like I said that finding someone that you 
may know that would benefit from sled hockey and letting them know about it. I mean, I'll admit, Larry, I really didn't know anything about your team. I know that, you know, they had played, you know, at the Mayor's Cup games last year and the year before, um, but I'm definitely going to check out um, some games and do what I can to spread the word. Um, Two more questions for you. I know we started talking before we recorded that you're, you know, a Long Island guy. So favorite professional hockey player, past or present? Uh, well, when I was growing up, I was a goalie. I don't play goal now, but when I was a growing up, I was a goalie, and uh, my favorite player uh, uh, still is Billy Smith Okay, the New York Islanders. Yep. He, uh, you know, if you got in his crease, he'd let you know. Stick between the legs, you know. Yeah, if, you get, if you got within 10 feet of his crease, he'd let you know. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, he was the linchpin. He was the key. There were so many great players on, on the, those dynasty teams that won four cups in a row. Um, yeah. So I guess your favorite professional hockey team would be the Islanders then. Yeah, that's that, man. That's a professional hockey team for sure is the Islanders. Hey, let me ask you, um, you know, given that you're an Islander fan, what are your thoughts on – this isn't on the uh, the questions I sent you, but what are your thoughts on Lou Lamarillo coming to the team? Uh, I actually think it's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, I'll, I'll throw my two cents in about Garth sure. Snow. I've never been, a, never been too happy with uh, – some of the things Gar Snow did, he did some things that I liked, but um, I think Lou Amarillo will be a definite uh, a good change for for them, and uh, I think that uh, he's done great things in the past, and hopefully uh, JT will stay because he's coming from Toronto well, or something. That's 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 what I'm hoping. Um, you know, I'm I'll admit, don't hold this against me. I'm a Ranger fan. Um, yeah, yeah. This uh, past April, my family and I went down to Barclays because I wanted to see that arena. I wanted to experience what an Islander hockey game would be. They played Toronto, and I have to hand it to the fans. I mean, there were uh, there was a loyal group. They were loud. They were passionate. But that arena clearly is not built for hockey. Um, no, you know, it's, it's it's like a basketball arena, and they slap up an Islander poster when the Islanders are in town. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I actually went with my buddy um, to a Ranger Islander game before the Coliseum closed, and I saw everybody grilling and tailgating and hanging out. And I said, you know, Islander fans deserve better. So, hopefully, Lamarillo. Well, Lamarillo brings, you know, he, he brings accountability. He brings, you know, a, a name brand, so to speak. Um, he's got a proven track record. I mean, you saw what he did in New Jersey. You saw what he did in Toronto in a short amount of time. So I'm hoping, like you said, JT sticks around. Um, I was hoping he would come to our team, but uh, I have a feeling that if Lamarillo can uh, make the uh, the right offer, that he'll stay in Long Island. And he got that Belmont deal, you know. So uh, yeah. hopefully there are some brighter days ahead because I'm a firm believer that it's better for the sport of hockey when the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, when the three metropolitan uh, area teams are successful. So um, I think it's 100%. Uh, that there's a, the only way to kind of do it is to have them all kind of gunning for each other. And, right. and, and that always makes it more exciting. It just gets everybody involved way more. All right. Well, Larry, I've been chatting with uh, Larry Manet. Larry is the manager of the New York Rangers sled hockey team. Um, we're, we're hitting almost the 25 minute mark, Larry. I, I think this was great. This was such a w- wonderful introduction to the sport. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate it. My, um, my I, pleasure. 
if I'd like to just say one quick thing, if anybody Absolutely. needs to know to find out about the New York Rangers sled hockey team or any other disabled sports, just go to the wheelchair sports federation, uh, dot coms page. And, um, you'll be able to see all sorts of wheelchair sports and adaptive sports, uh, for people with disabilities. And, uh, it's just a, a great thing to, uh, get involved with if you want to do any kind of volunteer work as well. Well said, Larry. And I, and, and I'm going to make it a point next year, as I said, to come out to some games. I hope you and I get to meet in person. Um, I had a nice conversation with your coach, uh, Joe Wedge earlier, um, uh, last month, so I'm going to put your interview, his interview, some music, some commentary together, and release this as an episode for all of my listeners and followers to enjoy. So, um, I know you've got a little vacation coming up, so safe travels, enjoy yourself, and uh, I'm Thank sure you. our paths will cross um, in the near future. Great. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure, Larry. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. As the final horn sounds on this special episode of HV Pucks, I want to let you know some of the topics for future podcasts. Uh, There's a very devoted group of Harvey School alumni who've been getting together for the past 44 years on Tuesday night uh, for a game, uh, which is affectionately known as Hockey Night in Katona. Yours truly will be heading over to uh, snap some pictures, take some video, interview some of the participants. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm also going to do a history of Hudson Valley hockey with Mike Schoenbach. Uh, Mike is the architect behind the original Section1Hockey.com website. Uh, he was responsible for assigning the off-ice officials prior to John Orlando's departure from Section 1 Hockey in June of 2014. He's currently connected to the North Rockland uh, Youth Hockey Program, so he's going to have a ton of interesting stories uh, for us. Uh, I'm also going to interview Nick Guberti and Tom Natoli, who both served as emergency backup goalies at Madison Square Garden this past season. And um, I heard about a roller hockey team in our area, which uh, includes several players from Section 1. I've made contact with their head coach, so I'm also looking to uh, do a special on that. Uh, And if there are any topics that you'd like me to address during the offseason, please tweet me at TravJack71 as I do this podcast for you. My plan is to do at least one episode per month between June and September because that's when the local college hockey teams start back up again. You can find me on Twitter at TravJack71 and on Instagram at 5 underscore min underscore major. You can also find my show on the Grandstand Sports Network, www.grandstandsportsnetwork.com or at Grandstand underscore SN on Twitter. And if you like the music you've heard throughout the show, be sure to check out the new full-length album, Out of Time, by Fracture, 
which is available on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. The new album maintains the same high level of energy as their debut 2015 EP, Broken Walls. You can also find them on Twitter at Fracture underscore band, on Instagram at Fracture Official, Fracture Band Official on Facebook, and www.fractureofficial.com on the web. Thanks to your generosity, I was able to create a scholarship fund for graduating seniors. Developing a Section 1 hockey website and reestablishing an exceptional senior game uh, are my goals for the 2018-2019 season. My GoFundMe campaign is entitled HV Pucks Fund, and every donation, no matter how large or small, will help me continue to provide the best independent hockey coverage possible. I hope you enjoyed this special episode of HV Pucks. This is your boy Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and I'll see you at the rink.